Welcome to Mousalaneous, where we'll discuss everything Disney from the parks to the movies and everything in between, and with a special Disney recipe every week. This week we are talking about Mary Blair. And now the news. Disney has released a special offer available to Disney Visa members for Walt Disney World Resort hotel stays. On dates July 15th this year to September 28th, you need a minimum two-night stay and a two-base ticket. And the deals right now are Art of Animation, 25% off. All-Star Sports, 25%. Port Orleans Riverside, 20%. Coronado Grand Destino Tower, Waterview, 30%. Animal Kingdom Lodge in Sarasota Springs, 35%. Where? What springs? Saratoga. Sarasota. Sarasota. <laughs> oh. Maybe I'm just flummy and you you heard me wrong. Yeah, yeah. we both so <laughs> Disney has officially announced that the new gondola transportation system is scheduled to open on September 29th, 2019. As most of us know by this point, the Skyliner will connect Hollywood Studios and Eka and four resort hotels, Disney's Art of Animation, Pop Century, Caribbean Beach, and the new Disney Riviera Resort. Although officially opening on September 29th, there's a lot of speculation going on thinking that at least part of the Skyliner will be open around the August 29th date for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It remains to be seen as no official word has come out at this point. Did you see the picture of the emergency evacuation thing? It looks like fun. That looks scary. I would scream even Wait, more when, doing no, that. You could probably just scream on the Skyliner. Well, I would. Also, over for Oga Cantina's news, um, currently only the breakfast menu has been officially released in Disney World. The one strange difference that has been noticed is the menu is labeled a lounge and not breakfast. Um, we're guessing that there's a good chance that this will evolve and hopefully the post will be updated shortly. But as for right now, we have a, for alcohol, we have a bloody rancor and that's Tito's Vodka, Ancho Reyes Chili Liqueur, Spicy Bloody Mary Mix, and Rancher Bone. Rank, Rancor Bone. So this is sort of like... Bloody Mary. But with a piggy wing, I'm guessing. Probably. And that's going to be $17. Yikes. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> I'd probably try it. Who am I kidding? Well, I mean, it's the average price for a Disney drink. Cocktail. Do you get a special cup? <laughs> sure. I don't know. For the next up, we have a Spurian Calf, and that's Peru Alto Mayo Organic Joffrey's Coffee, Orange Marmalade, Gosling's 151 Rum, Vanilla Whipped Cream, and cit- Citrus Zest. And that's going to be 16 bucks. I don't know about how I feel about Orange Marmalade in a drink. That's what I was thinking when I typed this. I was like, ew. <laughs> well, if the coffee's Just... hot, it'll probably dissolve. Yeah. Make it like an orange coffee. Mm-hmm. For non-alcoholic drinks, we have the blue bantha milk, which is blue milk served chilled with a bantha-inspired vanilla butter sugar cookie. That's $13. A Mugen tea, which is gold peak unsweetened tea. Chocolate milk, vanilla, and cinnamon? Ew. In one <laughs> drink? I know. Doesn't that sound gross? That That's a lot. <laughs> it's like three different concoctions into one. Yeah, that, that's just yeah, that's a little extra. <laughs> For the Black Spire Brew, it's going to be a cold brew Joffrey's coffee, honey, falernum, passion fruit, and citrus. And that's $7. Uh, 
a terrine tea, which is gold peak unsweetened tea, peach huckleberry, and mint for $6.50. Snacks is rising overnight oats. So this is going to be oats, dragon fruit, yogurt, and seasonal fruit for 7 bucks, And a Mustafarian lava roll, which is a sweet galactic delight for $6. And we're thinking this might possibly be. I saw a picture it's- of it. It looked like a cinnamon roll. Well, it could be any kind of pastry, though. Yeah. Really. They, they left themselves kind of open. Could be like a strawberry pastry or something. Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party will once again offer a premium add-on event this year. Tony's Most Merriest Town Square Party. Ooh. Ding, 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 ding. Is all that's going through <laughs> my head with that title. And I, I can't even tell you why. Because it doesn't even make sense. But no, it doesn't that... because Tony's supposed to be Italian. And I use that term loosely because Tony's... Chef Boyardee. (laughs) (laughs) Priced at $99 per person plus tax in addition to a Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party ticket, Tony's Most Merriest Town Square Party begins each night at 9.30 p.m. and lasts through 12.30 a.m. So it's pretty much the length of the entire party. You can visit as many times as you like for savory hors d'oeuvres, including a selection of artisanal meats and cheeses, as well as meatballs, mini hand-tossed pizzas, porcelain-stuffed artichoke, pumpkin tartlets, yule logs, cannoli, Christmas cookies, and red velvet cupcakes. A selection of complimentary beer, wine, and non-alcoholic beverages will also be offered. At 11 p.m., attendees will have access to a reserved viewing area for Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade, and tickets are on sale online. It's a lot of money. Yeah, but at this point, it would be a contest for me of how many beers I can drink <laughs> in three hours. I wonder if they cut people off at a certain Just point. to get your $100 worth. Yeah, because th- that's kind of what I'm looking at it as. Well, I probably I... won't eat anything because 9.30 is late to eat. Yeah, and we were, probably would have already had an early dinner reservation before mm-hmm. the party. Anytime we've done any of these all-you-care-to-drink things at any Disney property, they've, they've never cut, cut us off. I also don't quite know how um, how would they know to cut you off for the simple reason that like if it's come in and then like yeah, it's come, come and go, go as much as you want like I don't know how would they would realize how much you drank I don't know right, who wants to start first talking about a topic of the week Mary Blair right, so Mary Blair who was her birthday was Mary Brown Robinson was an American artist animator and designer. She was prominent in producing art and animation for the Walt Disney Company, drawing concept art for such films as Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Song of the South, and Cinderella. Blair also created character designs for enduring attractions such as Disneyland's It's a Small World, the Fiesta scene in El Rio del Tiempo, in the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot's World Showcase, and an enormous mosaic inside Disney's Contemporary Resort. That's probably what most people know her by. For now, yeah. Several of her illustrated children's books from the 1950s remain in print, such as I Can Fly by Ruth Krause. Blair was inducted into the group of Disney legends in 1991. She was born in McAllister, Oklahoma, October 21st, 1911, and she died on July 26, 1978. And her name was Mary Brown Robinson. She moved to Texas while still a small child and later to the city of Morgan Hill, California in the early 20s. After graduating from San Jose State University, which she attended from 1929 to 1931, she won a scholarship to Cunard. Uh, Now you have to read it. (laughs) Cunard (laughs) 
Art Institute in LA, where artists such as Pruitt Carter, Morgan Russell, and Lawrence Murphy were among the teachers. She graduated from Tronard in 33. In 1934, shortly after college, she married another artist, Lee Everett Blair. She was the sister-in-law of animator Preston Blair. Along with her husband, Lee, she became a member of the California School of Watercolor and quickly became known for being an imaginative colorist and designer. Her, professional, her first professional job in animation industry was as an animator with Metro Goldwyn Mayer. I don't know what that is. MGM. MGM. <laughs> wow. God. Oh my god. Another one on the books for bloopers. <laughs> no, that's got to stay in this week's episode. No. <laughs> she would soon leave and join Lee Barrett of iWorks Studio before moving to Disney. In the 1930s, she was also part of the Innovative California Watercolor Society. Blair joined Walt Disney Animation Studios in 1940, and a few of the projects that she worked on during that time frame was an art, some of the art for Dumbo, an early version of Lady and the Tramp, and a second, second version of Fantasia titled Baby Ballet, which was not released until the late 1990s. After leaving the studio for a short time in 1941, Blair, tra Blair traveled to various South American countries with Walt Disney, Lillian Disney, and other artists on a research tour. As part of the good neighbor policy of, of President Franklin D. Roosevelt, her watercolors impressed Disney, who appointed her as an art supervisor for the animated feature films Saludos Amigos and The Three Caballeros. Blair first started her animation and color design on major films in 1943 and will work on Disney animated films for a full decade. Her work with animation did not end there. After that, she worked on several, several package films, including Fun and Fancy Free, and partially on Song of the South and So Dear to My Heart. In the early 50s, it was a busy time for Disney Studio with an animated feature released nearly every year, and Mary Blair was credited with color styling on Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan. Her artistic influence and her concept art is strongly felt in those films, as well in several animated shorts, including one of my favorites, Susie the Little Blue Coop, and The Little House that she designed during that period. After the completion of Peter Pan, Blair resigned from Disney and worked as a freelance graphic designer and illustrator, creating advertising campaigns for companies such as Nabisco, Pepsodent, Maxwell House, and Beatrice Foods. She also illustrated several little golden books for publishers Simon and Schuster, some of which remain in print today, and also designed Christmas and Easter sets for a Radio City Music Hall. Walt was deeply affected when she went off to do her own thing, according to Imagineer Martin Sklar. So much so that when he hired even Earl, whose bold graphic approach to Sleeping Beauty was at least partially inspired by Blair's Little House illustrations, he vowed to not allow the style to be softened. Quote, for years I have been hiring artists like Mary Blair to design the styling of a feature, and by the time the picture is finished, there's hardly a trace of the original styling left, Walt said. So he made a steadfast commitment, Sleeping Beauty, the studio's first attempt at an animated fairy tale since Cinderella, would really stick to Earl's style, and it did. At the request of Walt, who regarded highly her innate intensive coloring style, Blair began working on the Disney's newest attraction, It's a Small World, originally a Pepsi-Cola-sponsored pavilion benefiting UNICEF at the 64 New York World's Fair. The attraction moved to Disneyland after the fair closed and was later replicated at Magic Kingdom and all the other parks, basically. It's true! All the other parks. <laughs> Just lump them all together. They're fine. They're happy that way. Into th the dog agreed. 
<laughs> in 2008, the It's a Small World attraction was closed for a 10th month period for major refurb. This was a long time for a popular Disneyland attraction to be closed, but the ride was in desperate need of some major changes. The original ride system from the 1964 World Fair was now over 40 years old, and despite occasional repairs, it was time to upgrade the water canal and boats. The outdated fiberglass boats were replaced, redesigned with boats made of durable plastic, which was lighter and more buoyant. So during the refurb, the water canal was built deeper to accommodate the increasing weight of guests. Dun, dun, dun. So in other words, people were getting fatter, so they had to redesign it so the boats would float. So besides having major influences in the whole theming of It's a Small World, Blair created murals that would be showcased in Disney parks, hotels, and other Disney attractions from California to Florida. These murals were not only painted, but some would actually be made of tile. When Tomorrowland at Disneyland was revamped in 1967, Blair unveiled a pair of huge murals as part of what is known as the Tomorrowland Promenade. They faced each other, and one was on the building that housed the adventure through inner space, and the other was outside the Circle Vision 360 theater. Um, altogether, they formed a 54-foot-long, 15-and-a-half-foot-high corridor of mur murals and covered over actually when nobody's quite sure if they're still there or not which is what i find really interesting and they were just covered over in 1987 and 88 as the tomorrowland remind us that the future is always changing according to scala as according to squar the ceramic title murals depicting the smiling faces of children in every nation weren't damaged or removed they were simply encased Sklark claims that somewhere underneath the new images and attraction lies Blair's sunny futurism. They're hidden treasures at Disneyland, he enthused. I would love to see these. I don't think so I, I would. I never saw them. That's In 1966, philanthropist Dr. Jules Stein hired Walt Disney to create a ceramic mural for his newly opened Eye Institute at the University of California. Murray Blair designed the mural for Dr. Stein's pediatric surgery waiting room. The theme Walt chose for the mural was that of It's a Small World, which, of course, Mary Blair helped design. Her design of a 90-foot-high mural remains as a focal point of the Disney's Contemporary Resort Hotel at Walt Disney World, which was completed for the resort's opening in 1971. Mary Blair would also go on to make set of Walt Disney note cards for Hallmark. In 1968, Blair was credited as color designer on the film version of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Blair would eventually move to Washington for Lee Blair's military career and then return to her home studio located in Long Island, New York. In 2011, Google honored Blair by using her artwork, artwork as their homepage icon. The event marked what would have been her 100th birthday. That's cool. I don't remember that. I'm lucky I remember what I ate for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After Peter Pan, Blair resigned from Disney and went on to work on a variety of projects, including commercial work for products like Baker's Instant Chocolate, Dutch Boy Paints, Hanes Underwear, Nabisco, Pepsodent, Maxwell House, and Pall Mall? Never heard of that. Pall Mall. Cigarettes. Oh, well, I've never, I've never heard of them. They weren't on Mad Men, so I don't know of them. She also contributed to the Little Golden Book series, illustrating titles I Can Fly, Baby's House, The Up and Down Book, and The Golden Book of Little Verses. Uh, you can still see Mary Blair's influences today, not only in her theme park contributions and still in print golden books, but in the retrospectives of her work that have been exhibited everywhere from Main Street at Disneyland to the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, in the series of designer clothing that incorporates her sketches. That's what Kate was just talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. 
and the work of the countless animators and filmmakers who strive for that Mary Blair feeling. What makes his work so remarkable is that she is so easily identifiable. You can glimpse one background, one sketch, or one character in an attraction and know immediately that it's Mary Blair's. Artwork from the mural and contemporary looks very similar to the dolls and it's a small world. You can say that about other artists at the studio at the time, since they so wholly serviced the vision of Walt Disney, the fact that Blair could stray from the pack, take so many stylistic departures and experiment so widely is proof that she was a singular visionary. Her work was magnificent and wholly ahead of its time, and it's clear that she was only looking forwards. So does anybody else have any little tidbits that they learned from researching? We just read all my research, so... (laughs) Well, I heard heard that the reason why she did not want to join Walt Disney World Studios is because she was a modernist artist and she felt it was below her, but her and Lee weren't making any money being artists, so they reluctantly... Well, she reluctantly had to take the job as an animator to make money. I mean, she's also won some awards after she passed away, and I'm going to probably not pronounce all this correctly, but... In, she received the Winter McKay Award from ASIFA Hollywood in 1996, along with some other Disney animators. Oh, so actually, the doodle was actually on Friday, October 21st, 2011. Simon Schuster, Schuster published a book called Pocketful of Colors, which is a picture book biography about Mary Blair's life in August 2017. book was written by Amy Guglielmo. <laughs> yeah, something with the G and a whole bunch of other letters, and Jacqueline Torville. Kind of like the MGM. <laughs> no, this is Google Emilo, whatever. And Jacqueline Torville, and illustrated by Bridget Barringer, who once worked as an artist at Disney as well. Mary Blair has been credited with introducing modernist art styles to Walt Disney and his studio by using primary colors to form intense contrast and colors that are natural to the image they are depicting. Some of her artwork has been exhibited in the Colors of Mary Blair at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Tokyo. Um, that was around July 2009. And from March 13 to September, September 7, 2014, Magic, Color, and Flair, the World of Mary Blair exhibition opened at the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. I mean, she was a major artist and a major influencer. I mean, I don't know if you've all stared at, I know I personally have stared at that mural multiple yeah, times. Just got to go there and it. find the five-legged goat. Yes. That's right. There's actually a website called The Magic of Mary Blair. It's really cool. It has links to a lot of her merchandise, a lot of stuff from Disney that showcases Mary Blair works. It's pretty cool. I'm searching through it now. So do you think, like, her family still makes money off of her creations? Like, they have the It's a Small World, like, bags and purses that Disney sells. Does Disney own that, or does her family get a cut? Disney owns owns that. Disney owns that. Boo. Did you see how Bob Iger today did his tweet? Yeah, I'm sure that was a typo. (laughs) It can't be that stupid. Come on, Bob. Get it together, Bob. (laughs) You can buy copies of some of her actual artwork that wasn't Disney, some of her watercolor paintings. Yeah, and how expensive are they? Let's see. Let's click on one. Unless Kate's going to make a game out of it. $105. (laughs) Seems about they're a hundred and something dollars a piece. So they're prints. I'm sure they're not the actual. No, art. they're not actual art. They're, uh, they're 
Prince. You already have the um that she died of a brain hemorrhage. I didn't think we were saying that. Well, actually, she moved back to California and died of a cerebral hemorrhage in Soquo, California, on July 26, 1978. You think that's so we have with Mary Blair? Yeah, that's really all I have. So um, if you had to choose one thing of her that she created or was part of creating to be your favorite, what do you think it would be? Would it be her film work? Would it be her the small world interaction? Or would it be the mural work that we now love? I'd have to go with her film work. I would go with the outside of It's a Small World. Of Disneyland's It's a Small World? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. There's still something about that when you first woke up to it. That still brings just awe. But she, did she design the outside of? Yeah. I know she did the dolls. Can, she helped design tell. it. Yeah, I you mean, can tell. Would, if you look at that clock face with the big clock and like it tilt the way it moves, you can, you can kind of tell, like, I don't know if she designed the whole facade, but she definitely had her hand in the artwork on the art style. I like the whole attraction there too. I thought you didn't like Disney. No, I changed my mind. Remember when I went back (laughs) that you saw too many strings. I didn't see any strings this trip. (laughs) I also, I do love the mural in the contemporary. It's just something, it's so grand, and I could stare at it for a really long time just to take it all in. Yeah. And it's something overlooked by a lot of people, in my opinion. Every time I look at it, I find something new. Mm-hmm. And I always have to take a picture of the five legged goat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, so Tim has the recipe for us this week, and hopefully it doesn't turn out like a Mary Blair artwork, because that would be kind of weird. So <laughs> We're going to go easy. We're going to do a drink cocktail from the California Grill in the Contemporary to honor Mary Blair's gigantic mural. Awesome. And this is the Golden Gate Cocktail. And it's one and a quarter ounces of Remy Martin VSOP Cognac, three quarter ounce Amaretto di Sorono, one half ounce cranberry juice and an orange slice for garnish. Shake the ingredients with ice and strain into a martini glass. Squeeze the slice of orange into the drink and enjoy. Sounds yummy. All right, guys. So tell us what are your favorite Mary Blair influences throughout the park or through the movies. Let us know on our Facebook group and we will speak to y'all next week. Y'all have a good night. Bye. Good night. Oh.